Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Today, with my co-host for this Legislative Monday, IPR education reporter Grant Gerlach. Hello, Grant. Hi there, Ben. It's only the third week of the legislative session, just the start of the third week, as a matter of fact. Uh, Republican lawmakers continuing very fast action on Governor Kim Reynolds' voucher-style school plan. Uh, This hour, uh, Grant and I will welcome lawmakers from both parties, uh, proponents, supporters of this bill in the first half hour, voices against in the second half hour. Grant, before we uh, invite our lawmaker into this discussion, remind us of the, the basics of this bill. So this bill creates uh, what it calls education savings accounts. Families would apply for these tax-funded accounts worth around $7,600 in the first year, and they could use this money to uh, pay for educational expenses like tuition at a private school or tutoring or books. Uh, In the first couple of years, this program would be open to all public school students and all kindergartners, as well as private school students that meet some income limits. By year three, those income limits would go away and it would be open to all K-12 students. And uh, the estimates are that by the fourth year, around 42,000 students would be receiving these ESAs. And um, that would come at a total cost of around $345 million. And I'm sure we'll get into the numbers a little more with the representative. Right. And this has been speeding through uh, both chambers. What is its status as of now, today, Monday? Yeah, it's been moving right along. It was announced in the governor's condition of the state address. Last week, it passed out of uh, committees in the House and Senate. And as of today, both the House and Senate have the bill on their debate calendars. So we don't know for sure when it will come up. But um, if they both bring it to the floor today, it's possible it could be at the governor's desk tomorrow or sometime this week. Okay, River to River listeners, what are your thoughts? Uh, Perhaps you have some concerns about Governor Reynolds' voucher-style school Choice plan one eight six six seven eighty ninety one hundred one eight six six seven eighty ninety one hundred or email us river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Uh, let's welcome uh, Representative John Wills uh, from District Ten in Iowa. Uh, that is Dickinson County in the northwest uh, corner of the state. He's also on the House Education Reform Committee. Uh, a Republican, uh, Representative Wills. Welcome back to our program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, so, Representative Wills, um, sorry, Ben. No, go ahead. I just wanted to hand it off to you. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, the House has been uh, the roadblock for Governor Reynolds' school choice bills over the last couple of years. Uh, will it come to the floor today? And if it does, will it pass? So I think there are some specific things that the House wanted to have, and I think Governor Reynolds' bill, uh, as as it is today, uh, definitely does uh, answer the, the requests that the House members had over the last few years. And so we, we may bring it to the House floor today. We may may wait till tomorrow. It'll come to the floor. I think that you're missed, you missed one of the key parts of the bill uh, in that uh, we're going to allow schools to use categorical funding uh, that could be used if the school chose. Uh, for teacher salary increases or bonuses. That's something that we're not talking about a lot um, that, that we probably should because that's a very important part of the bill. So it's really two parts. You got the ESAs, the educational savings accounts, and then teacher salary uh, increases or bonuses. 
Well, yeah, and just to to ask you a little more about that uh, portion of the bill that would add um, it's a certain amount of money per student who receives an ESA, right? So right. Um, a student who leaves their public school to go to a private school, there's a piece of money that goes back to the school. Or even a student who has always gone to a, a private school, there's a piece of money that would go back to their their home public school. Is that right? right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So what we're trying to do is get away from funding institutions, and we're going to fund children. Children are the, the real... Uh, part of this equation that we oftentimes forget. That's who we want to fund. That's who we want to educate. Um, but what you're talking about there is, so the money is going to follow to the private school, but also there will be $1,205 that goes to the public school, the losing public school uh, that has just lost that child uh, because they're still going to have to maintain the structure. They're still going to have to do things uh, with that school, even though they have one less student. Uh, so every student that leaves that school is going to get $1,205. Even private school members that uh, that could have attended that public school, that private that public school is going to get $1,205 for each of those private school members as well. As we mentioned in the, the opening here, this bill is moving quickly. Uh, it's just the third week of the session, and it's already poised to come to the floor. Okay. Uh, what do you say to Democrats and other opponents of the bill who say it's it's moving too fast? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, we've been working on this for three years. This is the third year. Uh, this The first year, a couple years ago, we really, we fleshed it out quite a bit. Last year, we got really close. Uh, we had, you know, just maybe, maybe a few sticking points. We've really been dealing with this. We've been having detailed and in-depth talks for three years. But this is a, a universal education savings account in that it's a eventually would become available to any K-12 student in the state. Right. I mean, that's quite different from what's been proposed in the past, more expansive and more expensive, isn't it? Yeah, you know, last year we looked at uh, 10,000 uh, accounts. Some of those had to be, you know, not, you know, in the in the poverty levels. Some of them had to be IEUBs, IEBs, and really my members were like, that. some of that is not important to us. Uh, they, they cared more about where we're at today. Uh, and so that's kind of where we've arrived. And so we've we've been really looking at this as a holistic approach. It really isn't what I would call universal. Um, universal would include homeschoolers. And so the money can only go to accredited private schools. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer with Grant Gerlach, also Representative John Wills, a Republican from Dickinson County. What are your thoughts, uh, your questions about Governor Reynolds' voucher-style school choice plan uh, being debated in the Iowa legislature and uh, evidently on a fast track for a vote in both houses? Let's go to our phones, one 780 Sheila is joining us from Fairfield. Welcome, Sheila. Hi, how you doing? Doing fine. What's your question? Um, I really appreciate the conversation going on about kind of the fast track nature of this legislation. Um, my background is in education in the private sector, and I've recently had to take a time out on my teaching career to take care of my own health and pivot to the public sector. Um, I've kind of watched the infrastructure crumble from both sides and want to make sure that the legislation we're pushing full force ahead really leaves no child left behind. Um, just kind of entering the conversation mid-lunch, so would love to hear some thoughts. Thank you, Sheila, in Fairfield. Representative Wills. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, part of this is an answer to that. We, we want uh, something that fits everyone. And so some parents may say, my child doesn't fit that public school. 
I want to send them to private school. And so this bill is going to allow for that. Some parents may say, you know, I don't fit that private school and I need to send my child to the public school. That's their choice. What we're trying to do is open up the choice and give parents the choice, put them back in the driver's seat of education. Um, you know, and as far as uh, crumbling infrastructure in schools, you know, we've provided a billion dollars of new funding to public schools in the last uh, 10 years. That's that's a 23% increase over that time period. And there's not a single thing in the state government that's had 23% increase in 10 years. Uh, so right now, uh, K through 12 education is 54% of our state budget at about $4.3 billion. And so we really need to look at, okay, how do we put parents back in the driver's seat without hurting schools? And that's where the $1,205 comes from. Up to, um, up to today, the only cost estimates we had were from the governor's office. The Legislative Services Agency conducts nonpartisan analysis of, of bills that go through the legislature. They released their fiscal note this morning. It aligns closely with the governor's estimates. Uh, and by the fourth year, the, the total cost per year would be around $345 million. Okay. So I have not seen it personally, but that's what I've, that's exactly what okay. I've heard. So it fits with the estimates you've heard before. Yeah, $341 million is what we were working off of. Okay. So, you know, just a few million away. So the legislature uh, has held the increase in state funding to about 2 2.5% for public schools, the increase in funding to public schools the last few years, even though public school advocates have asked for more. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the argument for, for that increase level was that a larger increase would become unaffordable over time. Why is this increase, uh, why is this spending affordable for this ESA program when a larger increase for public schools was not? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It's reasonable to ask that question because it seems kind of hypocritical if you if you look at it that way. But the bottom line is, this is a priority of, of the Republican caucus. This is a, a priority for the governor. This is a priority for the Senate and the House. And we want to put parents back in the driver's seat. We want, and we're willing to pay for that extra. We want to make sure that parents have the choice. You know, if you've got a school in Ankeny, Iowa, that's doing drag, drag queen shows, and the parents don't agree with that, where are they going to go? Uh, go to another public school that may uh, do that? Well, maybe that parent says, I just want out, but I can't afford to send my, my child to a, a private school. They just want out of that public school, and this bill will allow for that. Um, there doesn't appear to be anything in this bill that would prevent uh, a private school from increasing their tuition rate to account mm -hmm. for the amount of money that would be coming in from these uh, education savings accounts. Can you explain why there are no restrictions on cost increases that private schools may right. put well, in place? They're going to be getting additional students. They're going to be getting maybe some students that have uh, special needs. So what we need to do is we need to look at um, funding the, the, the children. We're not going to pay any more than what we provide for SSA, for state supplemental aid. Uh, so if, the, if they want to raise the fees, if they want to raise the tuition, and now the parents have to pay something, that's that's out of our hands, and, and we're not going to go there. Um, right now it costs about $17,000 to teach a kid in, in public school. Um, I've, I would fully expect private schools to raise their tuitions. Right now the average private school teacher makes about $29,000 per year, or less than $29,000. The average public school teacher makes about $59,000 per year. So I kind of I kind of would expect them to increase tuition because they're going to have more students, and also they want to have some competition for teachers. 
If you've just joined us, uh, Representative John Wills is with us, um, state representative um, on the House Education Reform Committee, a supporter of the uh, latest uh, school voucher uh, choice uh, style uh, scholarships uh, worth about $7,600 per student in the first year being debated in both chambers of the Iowa House. We have uh, Representative Wills. We have a number of of uh, listeners and emails to get to. Let's go first to Sharon in uh, Johnston. Uh, hi, Sharon. Welcome to the program. Good morning. My concern is that this is public money, and and public money goes to public schools, which is very accountable to test scores, to all kinds of paperwork, to uh, follow what the kids are doing. And then you take this money and you switch it over to a private school, and the state has no accountability for anything. The, the private schools are an entity to themselves. And so when we do this, I think we're losing track of the accountability part. Plus, I would like to know who's paying for all the campaign ads that the governor is putting on. Is it out of our taxpayer dollars, or is it out of her campaign funds? Sharon and Johnston, thank you very much uh, to the question, first of all, transparency and accountability that uh, Sharon is interested. Representative Wills. Yeah, good question. I'm not going to deal with the campaign stuff because I don't know. Simply, quite simply, that's something the government, governor would have to answer. As far as accountability, uh, we're going to require if a student uh, accepts an ESA, that student must then take all of the tests that are required by the state, all of the, the, the tests that, you know, like... Uh, every student, every public student in the state has to take, they would have to take those tests as well. Those results would be given to the parent and to the Board of Education along with any social economic uh, data that would be part of that uh, a child. So, uh, yes, we're going to have that accountability. The second part of the accountability ability is that all private schools that accept an ESA must be accredited schools. Now, accreditation is uh, based on state standards. Uh, now, private schools are not accredited by the state of Iowa. They have a separate organization that accredits them, but they accredit the schools based on state standards, and those private schools must meet or exceed those state standards just the same as our public schools. There are uh, there are income limits for private school students in the first two years of the bill, mm -hmm. but then in year three it opens up to any K-12 student in the state. And I was looking through the estimates here, and, and maybe you've seen similar numbers uh, so far. In the first two years, um, you know, a portion of the students that join would be existing private school students who meet those income limits. Mm -hmm. um, once those income limits go away, just looking at the LSA outlays here, another sixteen or 17,000 existing private school students would sign up for ESAs. So assumably they would be from families earning above those income limits, more than 400% uh, of federal poverty level. Right. One of the stated goals of the school choice program is to help families who can't afford a private school go to a private school. Wouldn't more low-income families be able to afford that choice if there were income limits throughout the life of the program? Yeah, uh, so that's an, that's an interesting question. What we see across this, the nation with other states that do something similar to this is that uh, right after the program starts, you have about 2%. Uh, so uh, we want to make sure that we're paying for those 2% of new, new students, but we've also got a good number of kids in private school. And so we want to account for them. We want to on-ramp them uh, at based on, on income because 
uh, it, would, it would just be unaffordable to just do everybody in one year. Uh, and so that's kind of the reason we did that. It, it's basically a numbers game to make it affordable. But as far as um, making sure that, you know, we're having kids with lower income be part of this uh, or just giving anybody uh, an ESA, it's an equal protection. It's a, it's a fairness issue, you know, if we're giving uh, families, you know, here in the state of Iowa, we're, we're required to give uh, every school every student a free education. If we're opening up educational savings accounts to just a select few, that would be an equal protection issue in my mind that we're not um, treating everybody equally. Representative Wills and Grant, let's welcome um, 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 uh, one other guest for this first half hour. Dwight Gingrich is with us, principal and director of schools at Hillcrest Academy, uh, a private Christian high school in Kelowna in southeast Iowa. Uh, Dwight Gingrich, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. About five minutes left in this half. We want to have you uh, for uh, tell us uh, why uh, you are a supporter of this change. Uh, what difference would it make to, to your school in Kelowna? Why are you a supporter? Yeah, you know, we, we have a lot of students that come to us. Uh, we're, we're at a situation where it just feels like where they've been maybe hasn't worked out the best for them, and they're looking for an alternative. And so we want to be able to provide for those students as well as, you know, all of our students. Uh, but we just see a need, uh, and, and it is difficult in some cases for, for families to, to to make that payment. And so this would really help those families for whom this is a very good option for them. Uh, Mr. Gingrich, this bill would not require your school to make any changes to your admission standards or really to the way your school operates day to day. Um, and that's been a, a point of criticism for many opponents. Is that important to you as a school that would participate in this, and, and why would that be? One of the criticisms that I think I've heard is that, that we would not take everyone or we would be able to be selective and that sort of thing. I guess I'm uh, through the years, you know, we've we've really taken students. You know, we're not really interested in turning people away. And so admissions-wise, uh, we realize that as a non-public, we are not required to have special education, for example, but we work really hard. And we, there's times where we've been able to have a certified special education teacher here, but we work really hard through our school counselor and others to provide uh, 504s where we try to provide those accommodations, for example, that, that uh, an IEP in a public school might uh, require or, or set up. And so um, admissions-wise, you know, we 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 take really, uh, like I said, pretty much everyone. And so in turn, I'm not sure if that's what you were asking about for sure, but that we're, we're pretty, uh, we're, we would work hard to accept really everyone that would want to come. If, if I could ask you, what do you charge for tuition at your school and would uh, the $7,600 that's proposed for these accounts, would that cover it? And would you consider increasing it? Our current uh, variable tuition is in the neighborhood of 3500 to about $9,800. Kind of depends on the, uh, and we kind of like college students use a FAFSA sort of approach to determine. We, we have a third party that we also engage to help us determine, you know, what families can pay. Uh, there's no question that the 7600 would assist with that. Uh, my guess is that, yes, we would probably at some point increase tuition uh, just to help us, as was mentioned by the representative, just, you know, with salaries and things like that, that could, that, that would, it would allow us to do, which would be 
uh, tremendously beneficial for us. Uh, at this point, you know, another revenue stream is something that we we certainly c- could benefit a, a tremendous amount from. Absolutely. Okay, before our half hour ends, let's go to a couple calls. Uh, Jim is with us in Des Moines. Jim, I'm going to ask you to be quick. We don't have much time, and we want to get as much input from listeners as possible. Um, <laughs> please be concise. Jim, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for talking about this issue. Um, my question is about a student who gets an ESA grant or gets ESA money to go to a private school from a public school. Just let's say that there are some disciplinary issues. Uh, private schools often have different um, rules for enrollment and rules for, uh, you know, following the rules and stuff. If a student has to be removed from a private school for disciplinary reasons, what happens to that money? What happens to that student? Thanks, Jim and Des Moines. Thank you. I can probably answer that question real quick. So if a student is removed from a private school for disciplinary actions or for anything negative that that student has done, then they would be ineligible for the rest of their uh, school life uh, for an ESA. Okay, let's do a quick... Uh, and if, if I could follow yeah, up, what go would ahead, happen Grant, to sorry. the money that had been... Yeah, great question. I should have... Um, so once that money is, is, is uh, paid to the school, uh, that student is removed that money would then be have, have to be paid back to the state of Iowa on a prorated basis. And so if they were there for 42 days and they were supposed to be there for 180, they would have to pay the extra, the, the days that they were not there back. In and and why, why disqualify for them for an ESA in the future if they were um, expelled or something? Yeah, we kind of look at it as a contract. And so if, uh, if a family, uh, we look at it as a family, a family invalidates the contract, then we're just not going to do business again. Okay, let's go to one last caller. We'll have to hurry up. Tom in Beaverdale. Make it quick, please, Tom. Welcome. Well, it it does seem a little bit like a subsidy for a private uh, private enterprise. Uh, take, for example, electric cars. You know, when they give a rebate for electric cars, the price of electric cars go up. How How is it that we're not just subsidizing Tom and- uh, a private? Got it, Tom. Thanks. We'll get a response from Representative Wills or... Mike Gingrich, representative. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. So uh, let me just head this off. Um, so do we look at that the same for Medicaid payments that go to private hospitals? How about to grocery stores that receive uh, SNAP benefits? You know, so we're already doing quite a bit of this already, and, and uh, I don't know if there's any follow-up. Okay. We have to take a break now and say goodbye to our present guests, Representative John Wills. Thank you very much for joining us, as well as Dwight Gingrich of the Hillcrest Academy. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Grant and I will be back uh, in just a few minutes for the second half as we talk uh, about uh, the fast action on Governor Kim Reynolds' voucher-style school plan. If you have a question uh, when we talk with Representative Sue Cahill coming up, also a superintendent, a present superintendent in Iowa who's against this bill when we return. It's River to River from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
We're back with more of River to River from IPR News. Ben Kiefer with my co-host for this Legislative Monday session, IPR education reporter Grant Gerlock. Only the start of the third week of the legislative session for 2023. Republican lawmakers continuing very fast action on Governor Reynolds' voucher-style school choice plan. Uh, We're hearing from lawmakers on both sides of the issue today in the first half hour. uh, Supporters of this, uh, what are universal education accounts, the proposal would make Iowa. Uh, One of the first states in the nation to offer universal education accounts uh, could be spent on private school tuition. Uh, Voucher-style scholarships worth about $7,600 per uh, student, 1-866-780-9100. Or you can email us with your question, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Grant and I welcoming uh, for this uh, second half hour uh, Democratic Representative Sue Cahill of District 52, uh, serves on the House Education Reform and Education Committees. Uh, should note here, um, uh, Representative Cahill's a retired teacher after more than 20 years in the classroom. Representative Cahill, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. So, Representative Cahill, this bill is on the debate calendar and possibly could come to the floor in the House and or the Senate today. As Representative Will said earlier in the hour, this issue is not new. Uh, why should they wait any longer to bring it up for a vote? I agree that this um, bill has gone very quickly in here in our third, just our third week of the legislature. I heard Representative Wills, he said it in one of our meetings. I asked the question, why are we going so fast? And, and he again said, well, we've been talking about it. And I think, though, that answer comes down to we couldn't pass it before. We weren't just talking about it. It couldn't be passed. Now, the the majority party has finally gotten and been involved in having edu- electors who are coming in who they have um, that they feel they've they have under their thumb to be able to pass the bill they've expanded their majorities they have yes uh the we mentioned also earlier in the hour there's a a fiscal report from the legislative services agency uh, that shows the cost of this this proposal and it aligns with what the governor had estimated before by fiscal year 2027 the fourth year of the program around 42,000 ESAs at a total cost of around $345 million per year. Opponents have called this bill unaffordable. Is that amount unaffordable or, or is it affordable except that it should only go to the public school system? I have some strong thoughts about um, private schools. My own kids, my husband and I, we sent our kids to private schools. We paid for it and we were not wealthy by any means didn't have take big vacations, didn't have two um, houses, a house on the lake. We didn't even have two cars. We had two adults working, and we sacrificed to send our kids to a religious school to get that faith-filled education. So whatever the cost is, um, our cost for private religious, especially religious schools, I feel should be supported by their faith communities. Whether um, I served on the school board for what at that time was called the Marshalltown Area Catholic Schools. During my time, we initiated a tuition assistance program to help families who struggled with tuition. So I think that our faith communities and our communities that support those schools should be the ones paying for that. It's not that it's it's too much, but I do feel that it draws away from our 
um, big pie that also has the public school in it, where we're trying to serve 450,000 students versus 42,000. So you said you, you sent your own kids to private school. Correct. You had to pay your own way. Republicans are saying they want to help families to pay for, for that cost. Um, why, why wouldn't you want public dollars to be used for that purpose? I have real concerns about some of the schools who will be taking public dollars not operating in a manner that they're being held accountable for. Um, I've seen on, on some of the um, entrance uh, information for some of the Christian schools that say families have to be Christian. Students have to live with both parents. They have to attend all events um, and, and a number of different things. You know, we've known that students, many students who have disabilities or are served by IEPs in our public schools would not be accepted. I've heard from many families who said, my student with autism, my student with um, his, who has a, a a disorder of speech, they wouldn't be able to be served in the private schools. Okay, uh, let's get to some of our listener input here as well. Marilyn and Ron and Eldora emailed. They said uh, in part of their email, let's be clear about what this means. If Iowa decides to send a third of a billion dollars a year to private schools, pulling students from the public school system, we are abandoning the idea of tuition-free public education for all. Marilyn and Ron and Eldora, let's go to our phones. Teresa Teresa and Stewart, welcome to the program. Hello, Teresa. Yes, hello. Yes, go ahead. Um, You're on the air. Thank you for joining I, I, us. Okay. I, I ha- Thank you. I have a question in regard to just where are all these private schools? I live in Stewart, which is about 40 miles west of Des Moines. I could not put my finger on any private school close enough that I would allow my students to go that far. Mm. And number two, of all these private schools that we're apparently talking about, what percentage of them are religious? Okay. Uh, thank I you very much. I don't see anybody putting that information out there. Thanks. Thanks, Teresa. Uh, Representative Cahill, do you have any uh, response, uh, information to give Teresa there? Well, I agree with Teresa that many of our rural counties do not have any private schools within that county or within that school district. Even in Marshall County, um, where I represent, there there are two private schools, and they're excellent schools. I, I admit that, and, and they're very good. But they only go to sixth grade and to eighth grade. So all students then come back together at middle school and or high school. So this is a concern that um, not only our rural areas have But do our rural taxpayers want all of their money going to urban schools in Dubuque and Cedar Rapids and Des Moines um, and Orange Orange City? Or um, so I think that's a valid concern that Teresa has. Something that opponents have brought up is that uh, uh, there could be great harm to rural parts of the state if if this program goes into place to to rural school districts in an area like Stewart that we just heard about, or, or an area around. Marshalltown, where there are very few, if any, private schools, um, what's the harm if, if they're not losing students to those public schools? How could this bill still 
um, have a negative impact on, on those districts. Well, I think we'll find that as um, we get out of these first few years, again, education is just going to be put back into that great big pie. And if we're already slicing, as uh, Teresa said, about, you know, a quarter of a or a third of a million dollars, billion dollars, excuse me, out of that pie each year for 42,000 students, that pie becomes smaller for the other 450,000 students, and I'm using some round numbers here, but the 450,000 students, we have to divide that up, and it's just going to be smaller pieces of the pie, especially for our small rural schools. And I fear that we'll see more consolidation, that we know that schools are, are the centers of many of those small rural communities. We need to keep it that way. If you just joined us, uh, we're talking about um, Iowa's uh, legislation being debated in both chambers right now. Uh, Republican lawmakers continuing fast action on this voucher-style school choice uh, plan. This half hour, we're hearing from opponents of the plan. Last half hour, supporters of these universal education savings accounts, voucher-style scholarships worth uh, $7,600 per student. Um, There would be income limits in the first three years, but after that, it would be open uh, to all incomes. Representative Democratic Representative Sue Cahill is with us. Uh, She serves on the House Education Reform and Education Committee. She's a retired uh, teacher of uh, many years. River to River at iowapublicradio.org, 1-866-780-9100. Let's also welcome Dan Barkle. He's um, a shared superintendent with the Marcus Meriden Cleghorn Remsen Union School Districts. Uh, Dan Barkle, Superintendent Barkle, that's a mouthful. I have to assume that's from merger of, of many school districts. Uh, I understand you go by the acronym MMCRU in Northwest Iowa. Welcome, Superintendent. Thank, thank you. Yeah, we, we, we call ourselves MMCRU. Okay. We're in Plymouth and Cherokee County. Okay. You have a very strong uh, opinion of uh, this uh, plan. What is it? Well, I'm opposed to it, uh, largely because I've lived both sides of this issue. I was an administrator in a Christian school in Sioux County for about seven years, and now I'm a uh, public school superintendent at MMCRU, so I see both sides of the issue. And what makes it? Uh, what makes you an opponent of this? Uh, what are your strongest arguments? Well, my argument is that I know that it will hurt rural schools. Uh, Last year, I told the governor in a meeting that uh, we are already in competition with private schools, and the one thing that separates private schools from public schools is the enormous amount of regulation that the state places on public schools versus private schools. So I I told her last year that it's like having two businesses across the street from each other, and one has a boatload of regulations and the other has none. Uh, Superintendent Barkle, something we've heard from supporters of this bill is that uh, private school parents, families that opt out of public schools, they're taxpayers too. Shouldn't there be some state funding that goes with them to support their education? Private school parents already have an opportunity to get tuition assistance through school tuition organizations that are set up by private schools or uh, a group of private schools to give tuition assistance. But what's not talked about in this whole debate, I believe, is that now that the governor has uh, lowered income tax rates, the amount that people can donate to school tuition organizations in the future will be lowered because she's lowered these rates. 
So I think a lot of this debate is to help her supporters and to make up for the lack of income that maybe the private schools will have in the future because she is lowering income tax rates. Let's go to a caller. Uh, Karen is with us in Waterloo. Uh, Karen, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're on the air with uh, me, Grant Gerlock, uh, Representative Cahill, and uh, Superintendent Barkle. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I'm a taxpayer. My grandkids are not Christians. I'm not a Christian. And the majority of the schools that are private in the state of Iowa, if not all of them, I don't know of any that are not Christian or at least have that affiliation, are Christian. So you say everyone has a choice, but that is not, in fact, true. I I brought this to a representative three years ago and was told, well, they can form their own schools if if they want to do that. Well, we all know how expensive and costly that is. If the concern and regard is truly for a better education for all of Iowa's children, then they should take all of that money and put it back into the public schools so that our public schools rural and uh, in areas that are populated, have what they need to do, an accurate, adequate job. Furthermore, taking funding away from school lunch programs is a direct conflict with this. You say you want to help kids, and yet there are kids out there whose families simply are taxed to the, taxed is a wrong word, have not got the funds for school lunches and dinners and everything else, and they do have two working parents. And so you're going to take the lunch away from them, but we'll let you have this money okay. so you can go and Karen. be taught how to be a Christian. Karen. I'm not buying that. I think, yeah. Karen, thank, thank you thank- for your view from Waterloo. Oops, sorry, I cut you off a little bit. Let's go um, to uh, Danielle in uh, Woodward. Danielle, we have a lot of input from our listeners. Please make it short, but thank you for being on. I'm rural. I went to Catholic school for 10 years. My parents paid for that. In rural communities, I agree with the representative. They are the anchor for our, for our town, our schools are. And I think there's a connection between hollowing out, deliberately hollowing, hollowing out small communities so that there is no one left to protest and challenge the deteriorating water quality, the large CAFOs that are being built, and the loss of our wildlife. I think it's a very well-planned design by the Republicans to get rid of us in rural Iowa. I don't think they care about us. And that's my comment. I'd like to raise it. Thank you very much for that call, uh, Danielle and Woodward. We appreciate it. I'd like to raise a question for Superintendent Barkle. Uh, this bill includes funding for public school districts that lose students to ESAs. So for each student that receives one of those uh, those uh, accounts, an estimated $1,205 would go back to their home school district. Even students who are already in private school, $1,205 would go back to the district they live in. Uh, so uh, if you lost some students, you get some money back. Would that take some of the sting away from this program? It possibly could, but I mean, keep in mind that uh, the amount that we get back from the state for losing a student is just a fraction of what we get, what what we would get for having that student in our building in the first place. So, um, to, to me, it's it's not worth the huge wholesale change that this entire uh, legislation would 
would create for us. And, and so, yeah, it, to me, that's, that's not a bargaining point. In fact, last year in our meeting with the governor and representative Dennis Bush, she tried to uh, give us reasons why we should support it. And we pretty well shut her down at that time. But to me, what's so interesting about it is if, if this is such a good idea, then why has uh, the governor and uh, the Republican leadership done so many sort of dirty, dirty political tricks in order to eliminate the opposition. Uh, our representative Dennis Bush last year from Cherokee was defeated in the primary and by opponents whose campaigns were largely funded by the Federation for Children, which is basically a political action committee funded by the wealthy DeVos family out of Michigan. And uh, all of the, the, the Republican legislators in my area of the state in the northwest corner that were defeated were supporters of the leg- supporters of the public schools last year, and uh, that the, their opponents took the money from the DeVos-funded uh, political action committee in order to win their campaign. So, I mean, if this is such a great idea, why has the governor and the Republican leadership tried so very hard by using outside, out-of-state campaign money to try and defeat the opposition. That's what's happened in the northwest uh, area, northwest corner of the state. And uh, that's how I think they hope to pass this this year. But keep in mind, uh, you know, the, to me, this is just a big giveaway for her supporters uh, and helping her win the election. Uh, that's, that's basically what she's trying to create with this legislation. I don't think it's going to improve education because – we, we already have a teacher shortage. Uh, private schools are having as difficult a time finding teachers as public schools are. Um, and to me, Representative like, Cahill. It, 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 to, to, to me, it's like if, if, if we can't even support SNAP funding, the same people that are opposing or uh, are supporting cutting SNAP funding, food stamp funding, are the same people that are more than willing to spend additional monies on this private school ESA voucher program. Representative Cahill, as I mentioned, there is some funding that goes back to school districts. There's also um, uh, schools are able to move some money around from teacher development to supplement teacher salaries. Are, are those uh, parts of the bill any um, anything that you feel good about? Um, I do not. I've heard from many parents, one of the funds that they said they could manipulate money out of was out of gifted and talented funds, um, where students in their tag or whatever the name of the program is for, for students in their school, where those funds could be used for teachers' salaries. All of those funds are different every year. This is not a solution to raising teacher salaries. Can I comment on, on something that the superintendent said? Sure. We talked about um, how this bill has been presented. And I want to say in the past two weeks since the governor gave her speech um, on the state of the state, I have had well over 900 to 1,000 emails of people and these have just been the emails, and 92% of them have been opposed to this bill. So my question to my colleagues across the aisle is, who are you listening to when you go to vote on this bill? I hope they will listen to their constituents who seem to be vastly against this bill. 
Just a couple minutes left of our conversation. Let's uh, slip in one or two uh, quick callers. Renee from the Quad Cities, have to have to, have to ask you make, to make it quick. Uh, Renee, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, we, uh, just a different perspective. I had a daughter with severe food allergies. We had no choice but to send her to a private school. We have actually a non-religious private school here that's excellent as far as education. But we were actually told by the public school system that they could not keep our daughter safe um, from food allergies. She was not allowed at the time to carry albuterol or epinephrine with her. I know that laws have changed, so this is, we're going back a few years. Um, and it was before Governor Reynolds was the governor of Iowa. Um, but to have to fund the public school and have to be forced to fund a private education so that our daughter could be safe every day in school was a really heavy financial burden. Um, and it used to really irritate me to see how much I was paying to a public school system that told me to my face they couldn't keep my daughter safe. We're coming down to just a, a minute left, but Superintendent Barkle, could you give us a, a quick thought on what you think your district would look like in 10 years if the governor's bill passes? I think that our district will certainly struggle more uh, simply because we are already in a whole grade sharing situation and we have several competitive private school private schools in our area. So I think it would be difficult for us to maintain the type of programming that we currently have. And we would probably need to seek an, another district to either consolidate or whole grade share with in order to keep the level of uh, programming that we currently have. Okay, thank you very much for the conversation. Uh, time is unforgiving, unfortunately. So much input in this hour. Thank you so much to our listeners. Also, thank you to our guests this half hour. Dan Barker, school superintendent here in Iowa, Representative Sue Cahill. Thank you all and uh, to my co-host on behalf of my co-host. Uh, thanks for this discussion. Uh, with Grant Gerlock, I'm Ben Kiefer. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.